Acts chapter 9, and we're reading verses 11 through 20. And you can find a Bible there in the rack in front of you, or follow along on the screen. It's Acts chapter 9, verse 11 through 20. If we'll stand at, those, at this time, those who are able, and we will begin, I will read, and you can follow along, Acts chapter 9, and verse 11 through 20. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarshish, for behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou Camest hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes that it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Church and I think for the opportunity we have to come and meet together to hear. It's a position where we, we think we're doing God a favor when, we're in a, when actually we're doing Him a disservice. So here in Acts chapter 9, we see several things, and this is when God looks for a house. So this is really a lesson for all of us, something that we should all ascribe to. You say, well, my kids or my children are grown. It doesn't matter. Our home should always be a place that God would be pleased with. You know, sometimes you, you drive through homes and you, 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 do, uh, uh, you look at certain houses, and we did that, you know, over the last year or so, looking at places and considering uh, where to live and that type of thing. And I, I can remember when we lived in Southern California, I mentioned this before, we had a, a man in our church, and he was a real estate agent. His area was uh, Beverly Hills. And so a couple times I, I was out with him, and we'd drive through um, his areas, and he, he took us to a couple listings that he had, and you'd see those homes, and you'd think, boy, that's a nice one. Boy, that's a nice one. Man, that's nice. And, and you'd see those things, but, but that's not really what God is looking for. God is not impressed with uh, all of those things that we typically put way high up on the list. What God looks for in a home are, is the things that we should strive for. And so looking at this passage, I think the first thing that we saw, and we mentioned this uh, uh, two weeks ago um, when we were in town, and of course we were out last week, but the first thing we saw was that it was a house of prayer. I'm going to go very quickly on these first two because we covered them. And the Lord said in him, Arise and go in the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he prayeth. Uh, your home should always be a place where prayer is not foreign. And, uh, I, you know, in fact, it's one, one of the things, I don't know why this is so, but I've said this before. I remember when my, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, 
years ago, and he, he survived the cancer, survived the surgery and the treatments, and, and, and lived well beyond that. Um, he, he passed away from Alzheimer's, as, as most of you know, uh, just this past year. But um, I remember going down, and I had never, my dad brought us up in church, but I'd never heard a clear testimony of salvation from my dad. And it, and it always, it always uh, was kind of there in my heart, you know, Dad, I got to know. But I didn't want to ask. I was in the ministry, and I could ask a complete stranger if they knew for sure they were going to heaven. But sometimes those that are closest to us, it's most difficult to do. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in the hospital room. My dad's, uh, in fact, my dad was, was out of state when he was having some issues and went in, and they did some exams, ran some tests, and they said, hey, you, you've got cancer. And so I drove down there, and I'm sitting there. Here's my dad in the hospital bed. My mom stepped out, and boy, it's the Holy Spirit saying, now's your chance. Now you can ask him. And so I, I'm thinking, yeah, it's my, my dad. I mean, what, what am I supposed to say? And I'm thinking, you dummy. Why can't you talk to your dad about spiritual things? Because if you asked me to go see your dad in the hospital, I wouldn't have a bit of problem doing that. Come on, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Don't leave me hanging there, all right? But, but I did, and my dad just, man, right off the cuff, he told me. He, and my dad got saved uh, at a Billy Graham crusade many, many years ago. And he told me his testimony. I knew my dad always was a, a fan of Billy Graham, but I didn't understand his testimony until he shared it with me. Now, by the same token, many times it's tough. You know, we, we are glad to hear praying, and we're glad to be with people when they're praying. But one of the biggest things that is difficult for us to do in our home is schedule a time to pray. It doesn't matter, because there will be all kinds of things thrown at you especially when you have children at home because you're always struggling and, and, and shuffling and juggling with people's sleep schedules. And when does this one have to go to bed? When does this one have to go to bed? I promise you, if you don't make prayer a priority, it won't happen. And it, 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 it won't die because you said, we're not going to pray in this house. It'll die because you never prayed in your house. That, that's all. It won't be because you took a stand and said, that's enough. Nobody's ever going to pray in my house. Nobody's ever done that. What happens is, I'm tired. I'm busy. The game's on. Thank the Lord for DVRs. You can pause it. Man, I remember growing up and you couldn't do that, you know? And, but, but we've got so many things. And, you know, it's not that we're choosing bad things. We're so busy with good things. We really are. Our culture is, has really kind of forced us that way. But your house, our home, the house that God would choose to send the, the man who would become the mightiest Christian in the New Testament was a house where prayer was welcome. And prayer ought to be heard in your home regularly. That's why when children want to hit the altar, never discourage a child from making a move to God. I don't, you, you say, I'm kind of embarrassed. My son wants to go to the altar every time. Are you kidding me? There'll be a time years, listen to me, listen to me. There'll be a time years down the road when you say, I hope my boy, my son, who's a father now, who has his own family now, is still trying to make a trip to the altar. And sometimes if we're not careful, we we'll see, oh, there's my son, you know, I just humor him because he's a child. Oh, no, 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 no. God said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. If your child ever wants to make a move for God, boy, encourage them with arms wide open. But one of the things that I think was very clear when God looks for a house is He looks for a house where prayer is welcome. The second thing is He looks for a house of promise. 
house of promise. We look at the next verse, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Saul, we know, was, was smitten and lost his sight. And God told him, he said, you're going to be without sight. <laughs> and, but he had promised him it's going to get better. You know, one of, the, one of the things that's difficult for us sometimes in life is we can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes we're in a hole. Sometimes there's a struggle. Sometimes there's a conflict, and we're thinking, is there any way out of this? And sometimes, humanly speaking, we don't see a way out. And if you, if you are not careful, you can just live there. And by the way, you don't want to live there because you can stay there. But you've got to understand that God looks for a house that understands there is a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says that God has, has given us exceeding precious promises. It's not like there's some small window up, sorry, no promises today. You know, we were open, but you got here too late, you know, not, sorry, I can't help you, you're out of luck, you're just going to have to wing it. God doesn't treat us that way. And so whatever your issue, whatever your hurt, whatever your burden, whatever your wound, whatever your struggles are, and if we started on this side, went across to the other side, I guarantee each and every one of us would, would have something that's heavy upon us right now. You did not come into church tonight and think, man, this is awesome. There is absolutely nothing wrong in my life. I don't want a thing. I'm just, I'm just kind of coasting. I'm like riding the crest of the wave of life. These are the most glorious days in my life. Look at all of you people struggling and suffering. Man, not me. Nobody came in here like that. And if you did, I don't even want to talk to you. You came in thinking there was something. Man, it was right there. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's personal struggles. Maybe it's your job situation. Maybe it's an uncertainty of the future. Maybe it's your health. And those things are right there. But God says, I I want a home that I would send the man who would go on to become the Apostle Paul that is a home that is filled with promise. You know, promise, it's propped up with encouragement. Encouragement means you're putting courage into someone. You know, it's. uh, I I remember reading a book a number of years ago, and it was talking about child-rearing. And it said that children will become their criticism or their praise. The choice is up to you. And uh, you, that, that's why when you, if your child says they want to be president, don't laugh at them. Ask them why, but no, but, but don't, don't laugh. If they say, man, I want, to, I want to become a doctor, don't look at them and say, you don't got the grades for that. You know, don't, don't, don't discourage them. You know, and some of you are thinking, hey, how did you know? That's what I said. But you have got to put that, that hope and that encouragement in the heart of a child. And some of you have probably, are, are probably reaping some of the consequences and results of those who did not encourage and who did not give you promise and tell you, you can be whatever God wants you to be. You, there's nothing you can't accomplish without God's favor and, or, with, or with God's favor and with God's help. You, you can do anything. The Word of God says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And so God looks for a house. He looks for a house of prayer, a house of promise. And then thirdly, let me say this, God looks for a house, a house of protection. Notice the verse following Acts 9, 15. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. God looks for a house, a house of protection. Now, I'm going to say a couple of things here. Um, he was terrified that the apostle Paul was coming to his house. You say, why? Because he didn't trust him. He said, this is one bad dude. Um, that was in the original Greek. He said, I, I don't want this guy showing up at my house. This guy is trouble. I know how he's treated the Christians. 
I know what he's done. I know how he's put him in prison, how he's persecuted him. And, and you're telling me he's going to show up here. I, I don't want that guy. And, and the Lord, when he says, go thy way, he's a, in essence, it is, a, it is a statement of confidence. I've got this. And it doesn't matter what you and I face. We always have to understand that you're never alone. When God said, I'm never leaving, and I'll pardon the poor grammar, but God would say to each and every one of you, I ain't going nowhere. You're stuck with me. The day you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and He became your hope for heaven, your hope for eternity, it doesn't, I'm, I'm not saying bad times don't happen. You know, I, I think about the story we were sharing this morning of the, the missionary and his wife uh, uh, during the Second World War and how they were, they were uh, put in captivity by the Japanese and how, you know, he died from dysentery in a six-by-six six cell, spending two years in captivity. She spent over four years, and she survived. And, and, and I'm thinking, sometimes I read stories like that, and I'm thinking, how does God allow that to happen? I look at the life of Job, and I'm thinking, how do what? Why did God allow that to happen? But I, but I realize that, you know, God is sovereign. God can do whatever He wants in our lives. And, and it's, it's foolish for us, because always remember, God said, in all this Job sin, not nor charge God foolishly. It would have been a foolish thing for Job to charge God. Keep that in mind always. But sometimes we take a step back and we say, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And God is always reminding His people, no matter what you're going through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God says, I'm with you. Now, you may, for instance, you take Daniel going to the lion's den. Unbelievable story. And we know those lions were hungry. Because when Daniel was delivered, the Bible tells us that they threw in his accusers and they were, they were devoured before they ever hit the ground. Do you understand that? I mean, as they were thrown in the lion's den, I mean, the lions just had their way with them. As, as we look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being cast in the fiery furnace, there was one there with them. And everything you'll ever face in life, you have to understand, God looks for a house that promises protection. Now, I'm going to flip the, 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 to the other side of that, if you will, and say a couple things. Uh, first of all, God has us, but the second thing, God also holds you and I greatly responsible for everything that's in our home, primarily those to whom God entrusts us. That's our, that's our children. It's our grandchildren. That's those that we have an opportunity to provide influence. It's why you as a, as a parent or a grandparent, you always want to be on guard of what, what your children are seeing, what they're watching, what they're listening to, who they're running with, who their crowds are. Listen, I don't look back at my dad. When my dad said, stay away from that guy, and you've heard me tell the story before, but when, God, when, when my dad said, stay away from him, he's trouble, and I said, dad, you don't know what you're talking about. Now, I didn't say it quite like that because I wanted to keep all my teeth for a few years. But I, I didn't say it, but I, I thought, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. That guy, man, he's so much fun. And I, we're just hanging out. We're playing ball together. We play basketball together. And uh, we, we ran track and cross country together. And I thought, this, this is a great guy. Dad, you just don't understand. Fast forward three years, that guy's in prison for 20 years. Maybe my dad knew what he's talking I don't look back over the years and say, boy, we could have been such good buddies all those years. Lost. Yeah, hanging out in jail? Are you kidding me? But you know what my dad was saying? Hey, this is, this is my house, and, and it's protected. Now, I grew, up, I grew up in an area 
we, we lived on a country road, and we never locked our doors. We had locks on, but we never locked them. We had three cars, two cars and a pickup truck in the driveway, and the keys were in the ignition all the time. I guess my dad never wanted to worry about where the keys. I mean, literally, they were in the car, in the ignition. I don't mean stuck in some secret spot where you'd have to look and find. They were in the ignition. I, I grew up in Mayberry RFD. I don't know. It was just, it, it was that kind of a town. And so you, you didn't have to look for the, it was a very safe area. And maybe in some respects a safer era in our country. I understand that because I'm so old. I, I get that. But I also know this. My dad wanted to make sure that our place was safe. You've heard me tell the story. One of, the, one of my prized possessions my dad gave me as a wedding gift was, was a Smith & Wesson 357 Magnum. And he said, every home should have, and if you don't like guns, I, I'm, I'm not trying to get political about that one way or another, but, uh, but I, I'm, a, I'm a constitutionalist. And my dad gave me that, and he said, every home should have one of these. And so I still have that same gun. And uh, my dad said, everybody should be able to protect their home. Now, my dad was talking about from intruders, but but you better be able to protect your home from everything the devil wants to throw at it. Because I I promise you this, and I think about, (laughs) you know, when I was growing up television, we had three channels, really, and you couldn't even see them half the time. Whoever was the youngest had to go stand by the TV and hold the antenna like we, like we had some connectivity to the universe. I, I don't know what it was. We had tinfoil on those bad boys. I mean, really, and it was just kind of like move it. Sometimes we'd touch the window pane. Anybody ever try this stuff? You, some of you are looking at me like you have no idea what I'm talking about. And you'd hold it up against the metal frame there, and you say, oh, there, I got it. And my brother would say, hold it right there. I'm thinking, we're watching Gilligan's Island, man. It's a three-hour tour. What are you talking about? I'm not going to hold this thing right here. And, and he'd say, yeah, hold it right there. And then I'd move it. He'd say, no, go back. And sometimes that line would be going like this, and you'd watch it go up and down, and, you know, it'd stop. Sometimes it'd go real fast, and you'd, you were so desperate to watch television, you didn't care. You kept it on anyway. Sometimes they'd say, can you even see that? Yeah, I got it. What are you doing? I'm watching it, man. This is great stuff. But back in those days, that's, that's all you had. Now, we complain because we got 140 channels and nothing to watch. And most of it isn't worth watching. Okay, ESPN and HGTV, for, and of course the Hallmark Channel, one of my personal favorites. When calls the heart, when falls the heart, when drops the heart, when the heart stops, whatever all those things are. Um, I miss them so much. Um, but, uh, you know, it, those, now there's, there's so much on there. But I'll tell you this, there's so much available that you better be on guard. And you better put up the walls of protection for your children, for your grandchildren, those that are over at your home, the crowd they're running with, the friends they... Listen, my parents, they they screened everybody. Where are you going? I'd tell them. What time are you coming home? I'd tell them. Who's going to be there? Are there any any adults going to be there? What what, what time will you be back? And this is back before the days of cell phones. We had the phone booth, you know, uh, and a pay phone, and it cost you a dime. Of course, then inflation hit and went up to a quarter a call. But I can remember it was a dime a call, and you'd go in there and uh, shut the door, open it up, boom, Superman. Um, I'm really dating myself. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but uh, here we are, Superman and Gilligan's Island. Wow, what a throwback. But, uh, man, I remember those days. 
But now there is so much stuff, and you've got to be on guard about it. You've got to protect. And so when, when it comes to what goes into your home, listen to me, children. All of you that are in school still, listen to me. Don't ever, don't ever argue when mom and dad tell you who you should not be running with, who they don't want you hanging with. Don't, don't, don't ever question them on that. Every time in my life as a boy growing up, when my parents told me something like that, every single time they were right. There wasn't a single moment as I look back at it now, many years later, where my parents were wrong. And so you have to understand, young people, when mom and dad are doing that, they're doing what God has told them to do. And that is to make sure that you have every opportunity to turn out right. Every opportunity to make something of your life and make it count for good and for God. And so when God looks for a house, He looks for a house of protection. Then, let me say this, one more, and we'll be done. When God looks for a house, (coughs) excuse me, He looks for a house of purpose. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. I don't know what God's will is for anybody's life. Well, I'll take that back. I know several things that are God's will. Number one, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is not God's will for anybody to die lost. If you're here tonight and you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, you've missed the boat that God intended for you. Now, you haven't missed it altogether because as long as you're alive, you have an opportunity to trust Christ if the Holy Spirit's drawing you. But, but it is God's will that everybody be saved. But when it comes to the particular specific will that God has for you, I don't know what job it is God wants you to have. Sometimes people say, well, what do you think I should do? I, I, a lot of times I steer clear of that because I don't tell people what to do because it's your life. You have to live with it. you got to let you make all the choices you want, but you've got to live with the consequences. He'll let you marry whoever you want to. You can argue against it. And you, can, you can say, well, this is what I want to do. I don't think, you, well, but God will live with the consequences. He just expects you to as well. But the one thing you can't be wrong about is eternity. You can't miss that. But when it comes to the choices and decisions that we make, God says, I have a specific plan and purpose for everybody that's ever drawn a breath. And understand this. Every person that's here on a given Sunday has a sphere of influence that nobody else does. Nobody. But on any given week, now I want you to think about this. On any given week, and we probably have close to, uh, close to 100 here tonight, I'd guess, on a Sunday night. But on any given week, these hundred people, if the minimum number of unique and individual contacts that you come across is only 10, that's 1,000 people every week. And it's more than that. But if, if, if you uniquely cross paths with 10 people on average, that's 1,000 people a week. And within that, in that sphere and in that realm, God says, I put you there to be a witness for me, to be a testimony for me and to promote the kingdom of God. We're here for one reason. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. God said, you're here for one reason. That's to bring honor and glory to me. That's it. That's the reason God made us. Now, God has given us time and talents and treasures for a lot of different things. Some people are skilled in in math and law and athletics and different things. But, But at the end of the day, God says, whatever I give you, Use it for my kingdom. Make it work for good for my kingdom. That's what God says. So he puts him in a place that was a place of purpose. 
And each and every person that you and I come in contact with ought to know that the reason we're here is not to make money. The reason we're here is not to be famous. The reason we're here is not to enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things that God has blessed you with. But that's not our pursuit. That's not our passion. The thing that drives us should not be, well, I want to make a name for myself. The thing that drives us should not be, well, I'm going to retire when I'm 40. I want to have X number of dollars in the bank. The thing that drives us is, should not be, well, I want to have this car, I want to have this home, or I want, to, I want to elevate myself to this lifestyle. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying those things in and of themselves are wrong if they come with the favor and blessing of God. But when those become the purpose, the passion, the pursuit, then we've missed it. He said about the Apostle Paul, he said, I picked him for a very specific reason. You say, well, that's the Apostle Paul. It was obvious. Hey, listen, do you think God crafted any one of you in here by mistake, by accident, by chance? And he had no idea you were going to show up, and you got here, and he was trying to figure out, what are we going to do with her? God looks down from heaven and said, I never saw him coming, and I have nothing for him. I guess he's just going to have to wing it. And you know how bad that is when they wing it? Do you think God looks at it that way? God said that you and I were fearfully and wonderfully made. We are are the very image of God. We're not some animal. We are unique to God's creation. And God said, I made you, I formed you, I crafted you to serve me. How you do it, the tools, the talents that you have and the time you have, all of those things are different, no question about it. But God says, don't forget that every one of us has a purpose. And we have to understand that purpose is to serve Him, to please Him, and to honor Him. So when God looks for a home for a man who's just been thrown off of his horse, his eyesight is gone, and he would go on to become the greatest Christian of the New Testament era, the Apostle Paul, arguably one of the greatest Christians of all time. He sends him to a home, but not just any home. There were a lot of houses that he could have gone to, but this one, when God looked for a house, it was a house where prayer was readily available, where there was promise, where there was protection, and then finally where there was purpose. Make sure we don't miss the big things running about and flailing in life to do those things that really don't matter at the end of the day. When we stand before God, because every one of us will, and we'll give an account of ourselves how we've lived our life, the real question will be, what have I done with what I had for the Lord Jesus Christ? Will there be anybody in heaven because of me? Will I have impacted eternity in a good way? That's what will matter when we stand before the Lord. Shall we stand? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Very quickly in a way of invitation. If you're here tonight and you would say by way of uplifted hand and a quick testimony, with every head bowed and every eye closed, how many would say, I know for sure that I'm a Christian. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Would you lift your hand and Indicate that. God bless you. Many, many hands. You can put them down as quickly as you raise them. 
Maybe there are some here tonight, and you'd say, boy, God spoke to me, and I sure want my home to be that way. I want to live that way. And even, even if I'm the only one in my home, even if my children are grown, I, I want my, my home to be a house of purpose and protection and promise and prayer. I want it to be a place where God is welcome, where God's Spirit is listened to, and God's Spirit is obeyed. And it's a place that brings honor to Him. How many would say, God spoke to me about that tonight? Would you lift your hands just very, very quickly? You can put them down. God bless you. God bless you. In a moment, the piano is going to play softly. You have an opportunity to respond. You're certainly welcome to pray there at your seat. But I always want to encourage people that when God moves and speaks to us, that we move out of obedience to Him. Lord, would you bless in our invitation? We ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. While the piano plays, if God spoke to your heart tonight, would you come? Would you mind Him? Just very, very quickly. So I want my life to be a life of purpose. I want it to be a life of promise. I want it to be a life of prayer. Many folks coming tonight. Some of you are not able to get out. You're welcome to pray there at your seat, but I always want to encourage us to make a move for God. You think about the song she's playing, I Surrender All. Well, that's tough. Tough to say, tough to pray. I surrender all. All right, you may look this way. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Very honored you came and took time out of your Sunday evening to be in the Lord's house. I pray that God would give you a good week. I would remind you, please pick up some gospel tracks. I said this morning, I'm in church today.